uh, about a year, and my mom was still convinced uh, we flew out to L.A. for an event. My mom was still saying, this is a big scam. Hey, podcast listener, you're about to discover insider tips, tricks, and secrets to making more sales and converting more prospects into customers with email marketing. For more information about the email marketing podcast or the autoresponder guy, go to dropdeadcopy.com slash podcast. everybody we're back with another edition of the podcast i'm david allen from makewordspay.com we have another great and exciting guest here today someone who has uh, gone down the freelance route as a copywriter and has some uh, great experiences and some systems and stuff to put in place to help you in your freelance career abby woodcock welcome to the show awesome so great to be here thanks for having me on yeah, it's really great to have you on, and uh, you were recommended by one of the other people that we've had on our on one of our previous shows, uh, and you came highly recommended for your story and, and uh, your skill set and everything, of course. Now, maybe let's start at the very beginning, uh, how you got into all this, your sort of superhero origin story, where did you come from, and how did you get into this mess of marketing and copywriting? All right. Well, I guess it depends on when you start counting. So my first ever uh, long form sales letter was in seventh grade. Uh, I wrote a 30 page letter to uh, a boy uh, that I to ask to the eighth grade dance. So (laughs) that was my zero (laughs) percent conversion on that one. So uh, I've always kind of been a writer uh, at heart. So as you can imagine, seventh grade, uh, not many to not, not many boys are uh, are getting thirty page letters. But um, <laughs> yeah, and uh, so dove into uh, journalism first um, and uh, learned two really important skill sets in journalism, which was uh, to write fast on a deadline and to write super clear. So. Um, Loved journalism, loved reporting, um, but the hours and the pay are terrible. Um, So I had to figure out something else, and I discovered this land of Narnia, as I call it, of online marketing uh, kind of by accident and and fell in love and dove into copywriting from there. So Awesome. Very good. Now, when you first heard of copywriting, did you have any idea what that actually was? No, of course, like everyone, I thought copywriting had to do with, you know, uh, trademarks and books and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And um, actually went to a um, an event, a live event to learn about online marketing, because even though I'd gone to uh, college and gotten my master's degree in communications, they weren't teaching any online marketing. Um, it was still very... Uh, you know, advertising and mass communications and that kind of thing. So when I'd gone to this event, it was like this whole world opened up of of all these people that were selling things online. So uh, I knew that it matched my skill set uh, really well, you know, writing clearly and succinctly. And I was I've always been into behavioral psychology and that kind of thing has always been a real interest of mine. So so it was a really great fit. And that was, oh, I don't know, six or seven years ago now, probably. Do you remember what event that was? Yeah, it was a, an event that Derek Helpern put on, actually. Um, 
and I, I won a ticket to it because I sent him in a funny YouTube video and uh, he, <laughs> he bought my ticket and my parents were convinced uh, that it was a scam and that he was going to somehow try to swindle me out of money by <laughs> flying me to New York for this event. And then my first uh, big copywriting gig was with uh, Ramit Sadie and I was working with him for uh, about a year and my mom was still convinced uh, we flew out to LA for an event. My mom was still saying, this is a big scam. I'm like, this is like the least profitable scam ever because he's been paying me really well for a year. So <laughs> this is all, this is like the longest con in history, right? That's awesome. So uh, did you get introduced to Ramit at that event? Yes. Yeah. That's, that's where I met Ramit. And then, uh, yeah, the rest is history. So got into that world pretty quickly and, um, kind of, uh, put my flag in the ground as, as writing for personality based brands like Ramit's, uh, because people were amazed that, uh, I was writing for Ramit as Ramit, some of his emails, uh, and blog posts and that kind of thing. And, um, you know, he's got a really unique voice. And so it, it kind of became my, my superpower is, uh, is capturing, uh, the voice of people that aren't me and uh, helping other copywriters do that. So that's, that's kind of what I've done since then working with, you know, Jeff Walker, Ryan Levesque, those kind of really big personalities that people recognize when they read their emails. So. Right now at that point, what, where was Ramit's company at when you brought on board? Um, at the time, the content team was really small. There was me, uh, a content manager who uh, did more of the strategic, uh, you know, uh, editorial planning and that kind of thing. And then Ramit, uh, who was writing, and he still writes a good portion of his own copy. At the time, he was writing almost everything. Um, and so I found that that's a really common transition period now that I've worked with a lot of these other brands is that these people who love writing copy and who have really distinct voice and are, are great writers and great copywriters and are now find themselves running, you know, multi-million dollar companies and are still writing like YouTube descriptions and, you know, blog posts. And uh, it's one of the last things that they that they let go. You know, they, they're all on board with delegating. Uh, but then when it comes to writing copy, uh, it's, a, it's a big transition between writing every single piece of copy to letting somebody else uh, write your emails for you or your blog posts or, you know, even the YouTube descriptions, little things, um, you know, because it's, it's a really scary thing, right? They've built their community on their brand and their voice and their personality. So uh, they're really scared to let that go. And, it, and uh, did you have to do any convincing as well? Let him relinquish more of the work to you? Or was he sort of watched to see what you were doing and then was like, okay, I'm satisfied this is in good hands. Yeah, definitely it was a process. Um, you know, between when I first started working, uh, the amount that he was involved uh, into, I, I ended up working, I still I still do some work for them, uh, but I was this full-time writer for ab about three years, I think. Um, and so by the end, it was, we, we just kind of found a groove. But uh, yeah, it was, uh, I think what what happened, and I think this is really common, I've seen this over and over again, is they realize that they're the bottleneck and why things are, are, are going late or why you're doing launch emails, you know, the night before they're supposed to go live. Um, because they just have so much on their plate, you know, they're running a company, they're the CEO of, of a company, they have a big team to manage now. Um, and so they realize that they're, that they're the they're holding it up. And, and that's kind of, I think, the catalyst for letting go. And I think that that's not unique to, to Ramit or to, to anyone, because I've seen that pattern play out over and over again. So. 
now, so you were there for full three years, and then what made you depart, or did you decide to just uh, go out on your own? Yeah, so I think it was the kind of the freelancer's dilemma, where I was really happy there, um, but I was getting a lot of opportunities. Uh, people were starting to know who I was, and I realized that um, I was saying no to a lot of things that were really interesting to me, and so... Um, yeah, so then I, I just, uh, now, I guess three years ago, two years, two, I don't know, somewhere, somewhere in that range, um, realized that, that I had a kind of a viewpoint that was outside of Remit, had some opportunities that I wanted to, wanted to see how far I could take this thing. So, and I'm still, I'm still kind of curious to see, see where I can go with it. So that's awesome. So when you were still with Remit and you were sort of, I mean, you were attending, I mean, he had events and stuff that you would attend. And were you attending other sort of uh, events outside that sphere too, or did you just keep going, keep that up, or did you uh, just slave away under your own? <laughs> yeah, well, kind of both. I, I, uh, live events, I always say, are my natural habitat. I'm just somebody that really enjoys meeting people. So, uh, you know, I have conversations with other copywriters. They're like, "What do you say at events?" Like, that's never been a problem for me because I just talk to everyone. So, I say all my clients came from bars at live events. Um, and, uh, so I wanted to learn more about this copywriting thing. And I obviously was learning a ton from Hermit. He's a great copywriter. And um, I was reading a ton. Um, but I, I wanted to, you know, go out and see as much and attend as many events as I could. And one of the, the most influential events, I guess, was uh, Brian Kurtz, who I know has been on your podcast before. He put on um, Titans a Direct Response. And that kind of just opened my world to the whole... Um, you know, the, the big, big guns and direct response, um, and what the possibilities were for being a copywriter and all the amazing things that, that are happening in the direct response world. So, uh, that was, that was huge. And I, I still am getting work from that event, uh, that was, you know, now two years ago. So. Awesome. Now, when you first, uh, when Ramit first brought you on and you met him at that live event and you were already sort of doing stuff what what sort of influences and did you have any sort of written ever since you asked that boy out but did you ever uh, at that point where you all you know investing yourself into sort of classic books or courses or mentorship or what, what kind of things were you doing yeah so it was you know all of the above and and Ramit's and I think it's one of his strengths and why he's been so successful is Ramit is a natural teacher he loves teaching and his his team members are that's one of his things that he just really prioritizes with his team is continuing everybody's education. So he knew I was really into uh, learning more about copywriting and learning about behavioral psychology, which is where his background is. So he was sending me books. I mean, probably every other week I'd get a book in the mail from him. We'd have a conversation about something. And, you know, he was sending me the classics, the Robert Collier letter book, uh, you know, breakthrough advertising, all that, all the classics. And that's when I really dug in, um, in addition to reading, you know, getting on as many lists as I could of, of really, uh, influential people in all different spaces, um, to kind of see what everybody else was doing in their emails and their sales pages and their launch sequences. Um, and it was it was just a really intense time of learning because I had just never seen this world before, and I'm I'm somebody that can be kind of competitive. I have to be the the best, and so I I just really dug in and wanted to become the best copywriter I could uh, as quickly as possible. So so what what did that look like? Did you set? I mean, some people like to schedule, you know, certain times that they're gonna you know, invest in themselves day? Is it, was it more haphazard where you were like, you know, taking books to the 
restroom with you or stuff, whatever you know, <laughs> people do because I've done that so that's why I'll, I'll raise my hand uh, you know what, what sort of things was it just all, all the time immersion or you know what did that look like so yeah a little bit of both um, I'm actually uh, in the last year or so have been way become way more systems oriented um, just because as my business has grown uh, I can't go with the like creative mindset of just doing things as they come to me. Um, and so at the time, I didn't really have a system for it. But uh, as a routine, I would w- wake up and before I dug into copy, I would open my email and read all the emails that I was getting from the various lists that I was on. And then at night, I've always been a, a big reader uh, before bed. So I would I would read a lot at night and then you know, in between there, it was, it was very haphazard of, you know, if I had a free minute, I was, I was reading up on, on different things or Ramit would send me something or, or someone else. And, uh, so I didn't really have a, a, a system for, for learning. It was just anytime I had a free moment. So. Right. Awesome. Now you became known, uh, good at, um, mimicking other people like you alluded to earlier was that something that came naturally to you or was that a sort of a, a studied sort of systemized way that you uh, sort of formulated the, your, your ability to do that yeah so i think it started with um i came from journalism like i said so when i came into ramit's world uh there was two big things that i think made a huge difference and i realized nobody else was doing them uh the first one was i came in and uh he one of the first assignments he asked me to do was proofread one of uh his sales pages for a new product and so i said yeah sure can you send me your style guide and he's like what the heck are you talking about and i realized that in journalism i mean your style guide is like your bible you have the ap style guide which is the national standard and then each newspaper has their own own local style guide, which tells you like how the local school spells their mascot or what the colors are or like, just all kinds of information like that. And that that's on every single reporter's desk is the AP style guide and the newspaper style guide. And because I was new to this online world, you know, bloggers don't have style guides in general. So I created one. And so anytime that Ramit gave me feedback, um, I never wanted him to have to give me the same feedback twice. So what I did is created um, what now I call my codex persona because I use this now with all my clients. Uh, But uh, it's a style guide, basically. So, you know, Ramit never says these words. He always says these words. He refers to his customers as students. He uh, abbreviates his courses uh, in this way. Uh, You know, all just all kinds of things, um, influences of his that, you know, to be familiar with, to understand references and that kind of thing. So it just ended up being this like 45 page document um, and their content team is still using that. And that was just a huge uh, way for me to shortcut the process so that he wasn't making the same corrections over and over again. I could reference the style guide when I tried to remember how to spell something or how to abbreviate something. And then the second um, big thing was um, the content manager obviously was a little bit skeptical of me being brand new to the industry and so gave me kind of this busy work task uh, early on. And it was to go through, and Ramit's been blogging now for 13 years. So at the time it was, you know, nine, eight or nine years worth of blog posts that he had to go through every single blog post and create a tweet bank. So, um, you know, a, a tweet that we could tweet out and promote like an old blog post. And so I went through eight years of blog posts and wrote three tweets for every single one. And I just wanted to kill myself the whole time. It was like awful, <laughs> boring work. That sounds terrible, yeah. 
Oh, it was awful. But I'll tell you what, I knew more about the content on that blog than anyone in the company. And uh, they would joke about it all the time because I would say, you know, we'd be in a meeting and I'd say, you know, in January 2009, uh, Ramit wrote on this exact topic. <laughs> they were like, what's like Rain Man? It became the encyclopedia Ramit, yeah. Yeah. And so uh, it, it was really interesting. So then later when I realized there, that we, we ended up growing the content team uh, quite a bit over those three years, uh, Ramit had a lot of growth in the company. I realized as these writers came on that that was like a really great task up front is just to have them be super familiar with the backlog of content that he had. Uh, so it was creating systems to shortcut learning that voice so you you learn the voice over time if you just work with somebody long enough but you can shortcut that by i mean i was listening to his podcasts i was listening to his youtube videos i was listening to any time that he had any audio and it was like his voice was on repeat in my head so as i was writing the emails i could hear him saying the words and if it sounded like him or not i, I developed this guide to kind of shortcut that process for the writers on the team, and then since then, I've I've put it out on my blog um, for because it's it's just a huge need for copywriters that understand voice, um, especially as these personality-based brands continue to grow online. Oh, that's very great. That's very uh, interesting that you did it that way. And uh, I've done similar things where I've recorded calls, you know, with the clientele to listen and try to pick up those because everyone does have that certain vernacular that they like to use, and just the way they go about structuring whatever it is they say, how they approach it. Uh, so that's excellent. How, how's the reception been to that when you put that out in your blog? What are, how did the other copywriters, is that, this is the first I've heard of this, so obviously I'm not in tune with everything that goes on the copywriting world. So how do people respond to this? Yeah, I mean, it's been especially, so new copywriters uh, tend to look for positions similar to what my position was at Remit. You start out kind of as a content writer, uh, on a bigger blog, uh, to kind of grow your chops and, and work with, with great clients. And, uh, I've kind of de facto in the last, uh, six months or so, uh, started coaching some of these newer copywriters and content writers, um, on these processes because it's, it's been a huge win for them because what happens a lot of times in these companies is the personality or the brand, uh, person tends to, they don't even know what makes up their voice. So what happens is they'll hire a copywriter. The copywriter will write an email. The person will say, this doesn't sound like me at all. They'll rewrite it. The copywriter will say, okay, how can I improve in the future? And they'll give feedback that's something like, we'll make it sound more like me, which isn't helpful for anybody. So the copywriter is feeling terrible because they're not performing and they really want to be successful. The personality is not happy because they're paying a copywriter that's not producing anything that they can use. Uh, and so I'm, I'm kind of doing two things right now is consulting with these bigger companies on how to build out the system so that when they bring on copywriters, they can be more successful. And then uh, just my contacts in the industry, a lot of newer copywriters, um, I'm working directly with them on how to build this skill so that they can come in and they can do some of these things that I did for Ramit, building a style guide as you're learning, uh, which is, like I said, just really taking the feedback that you get and cataloging it and taking, you know, idiosyncrasies that you notice and cataloging those so that it, it helps you, it helps the next person down the road. That's great. Now, when you finally branched out on your own after those years with Vermeet, 
what were sort of the first things that you maybe encountered that you uh, either were unprepared for or sort of, uh, you know, maybe didn't think were that big of a deal that turned into just something uh, bigger than you thought? Yeah, uh, that's a really easy question for me to answer <laughs> because it was completely uh, building out systems. So when I worked, it was very much like a full-time job. It was a work from home and it was flexible, uh, but it was very nine to five type job for Ramit where, you know, I would, I would work on his schedule. So, you know, he would have writing time, say Monday morning. So I would be available Monday morning morning to, to help him get something out the door or, and the deadlines were all very clear, but, um, what happened pretty quickly is because I had all this experience in launches, I started taking lead on launches for other clients. So they would say, okay, you know, we're going to have this four week launch for this huge product and it's going to happen, uh, on June 1st. And you're having this conversation on, you know, February 14th. And so then I'm like, okay, great. And so, what do you do on February 14th for a June 1st launch? Like I had no idea on how to set up the systems to do that. Uh, and so when I, as the business grew, my first hire was a project manager to like really help me with these systems. And it was an interesting process because he's a total systems guy and I am not. And so his systems were, okay, from 9 a.m. to 10 a.m., you're going to be working on uh, this email. Uh, from 10 a.m. to uh, 11, you're going to be working on the headline. Uh, from 11 to noon, you're going to work on the subhead. And I was just like, I'm a freelancer. Like, I don't want to schedule. <laughs> it sounds like a job, Abby. This sounds- yeah, exactly. I'm like... <laughs> If I want to go to Target at nine o'clock in the morning, I'm gonna go. You know, <laughs> so I felt the hair stand up in the back of my neck there while you were saying that. I was like, ooh, man. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it was interesting because we were working. He'd never really worked managing a creative, and I'd never worked with a systems person. And so we kind of developed these systems that really help with creatives on how to structure your days and weeks. And now, like I said, this is now you know my other part of my blog is these systems things because I had him write a guest post on my blog just as kind of almost a joke and it was like blew up it was like the most uh reaction the most shares the most like everybody was like I need more of this like systems Uh, because I and I had learned it just by trial and error by missing a lot of deadlines by irritating a lot of clients by not updating them and uh and so that was totally 100% the thing I was not prepared for is becoming a freelancer is is creating the system so that I could do my best work um, and still fit into the the real world of of deadlines and client expectations and all that kind of thing so a lot of people uh, ask me when they listen to the shows to the podcasts and they uh, talk to me about copywriting one of the things I get asked a lot is how do you work do you go through you know of course, there's the research phase and all this kind of stuff. But when I sit down to actually write, what am I writing from? Am I writing from a, a template? Am I am I using, you know, what is my system? And, and that's what I would want to know from you is, do you have a system for how you actually go about writing? Is there an order? Is there an FDIUS, you know, Gene Schwartz always said it's a great copy is assembled. It's not really written like people would think a letter would be written, you know, to your mother or something. What is your sort of system for that kind of stuff? Yeah, it definitely, you know, follows that that assembly um, 
you know, the, the research is so key and that's where I spend so much time. Um, because what happens is I'll, as I'm doing research, gather a lot of, especially if you have a lot of client research, you know, market surveys and client testimonials and just, you know, dig in. And I end up with, I'm not sure how it works for everybody else, but I end up with kind of a, a crazy list of, you know, 50 different sound bites of things that I think are really interesting um, from various interviews or articles or products or, or whatever. And then once I end up with that list of sound bites, it's, it's like a puzzle. It's putting them in the most effective order that I can. And, and a lot of people say that they write the headline last. Um, I find that headline a lot of times for me reveals itself at some point during the process. Like I don't spend a lot of time, you know, like what's my headline going to be as I'm writing. It's always a line or a, or a piece of information or a benefit that really pops. And I'm like, that's, that's the headline. That's, that's the one right there. And it's, it's just kind of rearranging everything. Um, it looks like a mess. <laughs> I'll be honest. I've had, I've had clients, especially clients that have been copywriters in the past, which tend to be a lot of people that I work with. Like I said, these personality based brands. So, um, they, they know copy. So they'll be, you know, what's the status of the sales page? And I'll say, Oh, you know, it's a mess, but it, it'll be, you know, done by the end of the week. And they'll say, can I see what you're working on? And I'll show my working document. They're like, never mind, Just, just don't tell me what's, I don't understand what's happening here. fascinating to the idiosyncrasies of other copywriters and how they go about stuff too because i'm sure my stuff would look really, really weird to other people too and I, it's interesting to hear that because i think that's something you don't hear a lot about you see you know a lot of copy stuff of course you, when you're getting into copywriting is coming from you know mount rushmore down and so you don't uh, you don't get the same perspective you're sort of seeing it someone who's been in there for like 30 years you don't see someone who's been in for you know four or five and stuff and who's in the thick of like you know, getting good at this and sort of growing their business. So it's very interesting to, to see the processes and stuff. Uh, now, I want to thank you, Abby. You've given a lot of information here. And I think people should probably listen back a few times to this because you've sort of laid out the roadmap uh, for how people can, you know, and this is something that, that comes up constantly on this show too, is that when people first get into it, they, they lack all of these systems and stuff. And it's usually way later, like you're talking about, where you're like, I didn't have any of this. I wish I would have had this. And if you're just starting or you're very early on in career, you have a chance to put in place something that will benefit you from for decades to come for your entire career. And, you know, to get some of these things from Abby, of course, you can go to uh, her website. What was the, it was businessofcopywriting.com? Businessofcopy.com, yeah. Businessofcopy.com. I really want to thank you for coming on the show and uh, sharing sharing your story and sharing all these uh, this great information and these great ideas with our copywriters. Sure, it's been a blast. Awesome, and we'll do it again sometime, I'm sure. Sounds great. For everyone else, that's another episode of the podcast, and we'll look forward to yet another person coming on, giving us hopefully uh, half as good of information as Abby dropped here today. For anyone looking to get in touch with me, uh, you can go to makewordspay.com, and we'll be back next week with another exciting episode. Hey everybody, thanks for listening. If you want to discover more insider tips, tricks, and secrets about driving sales with email marketing, sign up for daily email tips from the autoresponder guy. Go to dropdeadcopy.com slash podcast, sign up, confirm your email address, and I'll send you daily emails on how to improve your email marketing and make more sales via email. You'll find out why open rates don't matter and the seven-letter word that underlies all effective marketing and much more. Oh,